What's up, Frontier Church? We are back here in uh, Carlos's garage with Christian Roth for our second podcast episode on church planting in Denmark. So, in this podcast, we're just going to keep on, we're going to keep the conversation rolling. We're going to talk about what's it like planting a church in Denmark. What are some of those stories? What's the culture like? Man, it's not the same as Des Moines, Iowa. So, I think we'd really like to press into that. Before we do, Los, I'm going to start with you. What, what did you. <laughs> What did you think when Christian first told you about him planting a church in Denmark? <laughs> maybe first, not the first thing there. that I thought I was like, "Oh, that makes sense." He's a tall white dude. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> like that's, that's probably was my first thought. It's like, "Oh, yeah, that makes sense." Like, and then I, you know, we're gonna tell the story about like how you used to go over a lot. Um, I was like, oh yeah, you. I think you used to speak Swedish here and there, like a little bit. I speak it a lot now. Yeah, yeah so, I yeah. mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I just it's like it made sense. It was mm-hmm. like, oh, this dude has history there. Um, his family's from there. Like, it makes sense that he wants to go there. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, let's talk about what it's been like going there. So let's start with a little Imago Day theology. Okay. I think this will help us understand like getting get planting a church in Denmark, what it's been like. Um, one of the things I think that gets underestimated a lot about the doctrine of Imago Day is I think that we overemphasize the fact that people are made Imago Day, which means that they have worth and value. Mm-hmm. That's totally true. Mm-hmm. Um, but primarily what Imago Day meant to the original hearers and listeners meant meant something uh, just a, a little a little more nuanced than that. And to be the image of God meant that you were a royal statue for your king. Yeah. Right? That's what kings did. To, in order to extend the rule and reign of their empire or their kingdom, is they would literally make images of themselves, statues of themselves in places that are far away, so that when people saw those statues, they would remember, yeah, that's this king's kingdom. And so in that way, our, our point, our goal in life is to be God's statues, mm-hmm. Jesus's statues, to live in such a way that the rule and reign of King Jesus comes through us in our context. So mm. what's it been like for you being God's statue, being a Maga <laughs> Day in Denmark? Um, well, it's been very stiff and motionless. Ah, that's a bad joke. <laughs> that's a dad joke. Statue. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's a good word, man. Living I like that. statue church. I like that. <laughs> exactly and then you go in colossians where it takes it a step further amago christi right That's right like the, the, the yeah the image of christ um yeah so we we went over there with a fair amount of zeal and vision and um we st- we still have that but i think there was kind of a translation for sure from mm-hmm. american church planting mentality to global church planting mentality, mm-hmm. particularly European, particularly Northern European, um, where you can't necessarily just think like vision, alignment, effect, you know, like effectiveness, goal oriented, just go get them. Yeah. It's just that mentality. Even though I would say Danes like that about Americans, it feels very foreign mm-hmm. there. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that felt discouraging at first because it's like, kind of like I mentioned in the last podcast, it kind of just felt like everybody was kind of putting a, 
a wet blanket, you know, yeah. the, um, that will never happen moment. Yeah, never, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Never happen here. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, or, or just, you know, honestly, even my dad, my whole life, when I, when I became a Christian, I became a Christian in high school and was playing football and doing at Washington high school in Cedar Rapids and had this radical conversion, just really tasted the Lord's goodness and was satisfied in him in a, in a, in a, in a powerful way. And I remember talking to my dad about it and he's like, He's like, oh, that's American religion. You know, like, that's just American religion. Mm. Oh, wow. Um, and I'm like, I've always been like, that's not a very informed thing to say, actually, because Christianity started in, like, you know, Augustine, he was from North Africa. And, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, like, actually, the global center of Christianity is not America, and it hasn't been for decades. Yeah. And you've got places like the Methodist Church and the Anglican Church right now where most of the bishops are yeah. in the global south. And when they try to get all the bishops together to like make decisions, the ones in the global south who believe the Bible are like, we actually don't want to meet with you guys because you're all promoting, you know, the LGBTQ pastors. And, and mm-hmm. so like wow. the global heartbeat and center of Christianity, I would say there's more resources in America still, and that would include theological yeah. education. Yeah. Yeah. theological education in that but the the number of people and churches is not is not centered in the west anymore um so that was right. really helpful right. for us to just learn and realize wow um and i think we've been exposed to things since then that have helped us process that um one of the great highlights of our first four years has been this branch of the gospel coalition that we've been able to start yeah, tell us tell us about that, man. Yeah, yeah, and it's still in its infancy in some ways, but basically during Corona, the churches weren't meeting, and we were like, "What can we do ministry wise? We need to get creative." And I had heard about this branch of the Gospel Coalition ha- happening in Southeast Europe, and um, I was like, "Oh, that sounds really cool." That if there's these, you know, gospel center pastors that are preaching expositionally who feel like they need encouragement and training and they feel isolated in their different parts of Southeastern Europe. They, and they created this coalition, they have conferences, website, that kind of stuff. Um, so I just started messaging a bunch of pastors that I'd known kind of more reformed pastors. And, um, yeah, like through years of conversations, basically we were able to, cause lots and lots of pastors who are just preaching the word expositionally in the Nordics mm-hmm. feel like, they're the only ones. Many yeah, of them come yeah. from more pragmatic, um, often really charismatic churches because there's not a lot of evangelicals, but the ones that are tend to be that in the Nordics. Um, and they had bad experiences. I'm not saying all charismatic churches are like that, but like a lot of times they just don't care about theology. They don't preach the word expositionally. And they start listening to John Piper or... I don't know, Cole Dykey, if they heard. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever they find on, you can find anything on YouTube these days. Yeah. Uh, we're all drinking from the same internet, you know? Yeah. Um, so, and they're like, this is amazing. I want this here. Yeah. And so we, we've been able to get, you know, 15 to 20 of these pastors together across six different Nordic countries and create a council where we're just really focusing on these things together. We had a conference and we're going to have a website and, that's been really encouraging. Um, I bet. Yeah. 
So what sort of what sort of challenges are you guys like bringing to that table together? Like that you like you know, if you feel isolated and you feel like maybe you answer this a little bit, but you feel like man, like we're having this challenge or this passage, I'm having this challenges. What are some of the like common threads of mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. hardships among the pastors in this uh, in yeah. the TGC? That's such a great question because, like, right now the the big boogeyman in Western church right now is it feels like we are in the great deconstruction era. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The thing that all pastors are talking about is what do we do with all these massive amounts of deconstruction? To yeah. what degree is it helpful? To what degree is it unhelpful? Um, but that's not the challenge that you guys are facing. So I just want to echo that question. Like, yeah, yeah. what are you guys talking about at the table? Yeah, we've been deconstructed for a while, so <laughs> yeah. we're just kind of like hanging out there, like, what do we do? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I if people want to read about this, I would encourage you guys to to the people people listening to to go to tgcnordic.org. We actually wrote a theological preamble, the 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 five main pastors that were kind of part of the executive committee for that, um, which is gets into some of these things. But but I can just highlight some things. Um, I would say the unique thing I mentioned already, and that is that there's a lot of pragmatism yeah. and survival mentality of the churches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the few churches that are evangelical at all just feel like they're totally have their backs up against the wall. They're in survival mode. They feel very isolated. And the ones that are more reformed are even more isolated. Mm-hmm. Like they're like, we're, like literally, I had a guy, a pastor in Iceland, tell me I'm the only, I think I'm the only like gospel-centered, reformed-ish pastor in all of Iceland. Wow. Now I think that may have been a bit of an overstatement, but yeah. like I'm like, mm. wow. Like it's probably not far off. Like in Des Moines, yeah. you'd probably say I'm the only reformed pastor for a few blocks. Okay, maybe I'm exaggerating, but like, yeah, yeah, um, yeah you know, yeah, like yeah. there's yeah. a handful of 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 pastors mm-hmm. that you guys probably have affinity with right in your very neighborhood or city, you know, yeah. um, they're, they're the only ones in their whole country. Wow. Um, the other thing I would say that we bring is the, the state church background. Okay. It's a state yep. Lutheran church. And basically sometimes it can feel like you're giving up your Danish, Danish card. Wow. By not being a state church Lutheran. Yeah. So uh, there's, wow. wow that's, so that's huge because in America, I mean, we don't we don't know what that is like. Like we've never been like this. I don't want to say theocracy, but like we've never been like this state run. It's always been you know people came over freedom here freedom of religion. Yeah, yeah. 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 so yeah. it's not just it's that's kind of similar to like a lot of Muslims who are who kind of you know come yeah. to Christianity. They given up a ton of. Yep. Now, um, I don't want to minimize the, that, though, because the thing is, we live in the happiest, healthiest place in the world. Okay. Like, literally, Copenhagen is the happiest city in the world by all the studies. Mm. So the people who are doing church planning in the Middle East to Muslims, like, yeah, they're facing some serious discomforts that we're not. Mm-hmm. But I would agree with you, Carlos, mm-hmm. though, that that there is a shame that happens if people want to wow. really take Jesus seriously, because the state church sets the bar, and it's so watered down it's basically almost like an atheistic church. Mm-hmm. It's very strange. Many Lutherans in Denmark and Sweden are also atheists. Um, wow. It's very interesting. It's a unique thing. Um, 
And I'm glad you're not I'm glad you're not minimizing that though, because I think that a lot of times we minimize that aspect that Jesus endured shame for us in the gospel. And we're like, yeah, okay, like yeah, but but like dude, he was physically mm-hmm. tortured. Yeah. But that's one of the main things that the New Testament talks about in relationship to what the gospel did for us is that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the shame. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so like as as Christians in America, we haven't had to endure the shame very much. And we need to learn how to do that because that is very much in our future yeah, for a different reason than for why you might endure shame in, yes. in Denmark. But I'm, I feel like you can speak to us on that. And not just the shame too, also, but that's uh, totally, that's awesome, Cole. But um, yeah. not just the shame, also the discouragement. Yes. Because if you go to Northern India right now to plant a church, as a, an American, and it hasn't always been this way, but right now in Northern India, you know, Redeemer has a partnership in Northern India, so I've, we've been over there and stuff. Like, we would literally go into the slums, and like 40 people would, poor, poor Indian folks would just gather, because we're white Americans, and just like, listen to us preach. Wow. Like, Donovan and I baptized the yeah. guy on the train. Wow. There's just people coming out of the woodworks right now. Wow. Yeah. And so even though radical Hindus might kill you in Northern India... As a church planter, globally, your call is to reach the lost. And, like, if people are coming to faith, like, you can endure a lot. Yeah. But in Copenhagen, wow. you're yeah. slaving away, you're trying to be creative, you're being faithful, but there's just so little fruit. Yeah. The fruit is so high. I'm going to quote Nick Powell now. Ready? Mm. Nick Powell, if you're listening, that song, I've quoted it endlessly. Mm. I kind of mm. get on these obsessions. He has this song called The Crucifix Tree mm-hmm. that he wrote. I don't know when he wrote it, but he uses using it in liturgy now. And it says, the fruit of the gospel hangs high for the proud, hard for the strong, tall for the healthy, and for those who've done no wrong. But for you and for me, for the weak and in need, the fruit hangs low on the crucifix tree. Yeah, that's a good word, dude. But Denmark, healthy, proud, Pride is a hard word because it sounds really judgmental, but healthy, happy, they don't know their need. Wow. And so it's just so slow. And as a planter, like, you just like, it's just so easy to be like, I I like living here. (laughs) You know, like, I get get to be in one of the coolest cultures in the world. They have Legos and uh, Ikea. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) good, good play. Copen, yeah, I got, yeah, play well, yeah. play well, and we have this great Danish accent mm-hmm. that we, you know, you you probably, I'm very good at our English, you know, so you probably don't even know that I'm from Denmark, but I am, I'm from Denmark. <laughs> <laughs> love it, I love it. Um, but it's like, it's so slow. Yeah. And what are we giving our lives to? And Lord, is this the right call? And it seems like this is just. You know, and it's spiritual warfare. It totally is. Like every time we go out to do mission, I feel this way. Mm. Like nobody in my church even wants to do this. Nobody wants to talk to us. Nobody wants to. And like literally hours before we go and do like some kind of outreach event or whatever, I'm always like, I'm just, this is stupid. I want to cancel it. Like that's literally how I feel. But then afterwards, I'm always blown away. Not like yeah, flashy ways, yeah. but like, wow, this person was so open to the gospel yeah. or. This person, the Lord brought, like Jakob, the guy I mentioned in the last podcast, he never, ever wanted to go out and do evangelism with us. Mm -hmm. He was like, there's one thing I will never do. 
And I was like, I just want to push back on you a little bit on that. Like, mm. and he came out with us once with me. And not only did we have like four or five really good conversations, somebody approached us. Mm. Like, which like never happens when you're out doing street evangelism. Yeah. Cause it was someone he knew from work that saw him and came and just like, Hey, Jakob, how are you? And started talking and, and like, and then we had the chance to connect with him, yeah. share the gospel with him, invite him to church. He didn't end up coming, but like just those moments, like yeah. where the Lord just is faithful. And so they're wow. beautiful moments, man. Yeah. That's great, man. Yeah. Um, so what, what was one of your other questions, Cole? I don't really have any written down. Okay. Um, you want to ask, ask things about Denmark. People love it. Like I just, those little specific things like yeah, that yeah. aren't about church planting. Like what, but just, like yeah. what's, what's your typical day? Like, like you wait, like tell me, walk me us through a, a, a day being a church planner in Denmark or just being a citizen in Denmark. Well, I'll get on my cargo bike, cargo bike, Wow, which is a unique Copenhagen invention. It's a f- bike that you can fit a family of kids on. Okay. It has like, Three wheels. Mine has two wheels, mm-hmm. and it has a box, a wooden box in the middle. I can put three kids in there, but it's hard to ride. So two kids is probably like the. And it has yeah. a seat belt, and I put a helmet on them, and rock, kind of scoot, scoot them around the city. Is it I'm mostly bikes? It. Like fifty percent of of the city commutes to work on bikes. Wow. Even in wow. the winter. In the winter, the winter isn't snowy. Germany gets more snow than Denmark, even though it's north of Germany. Okay. Here we go. There's a New York Times article called Families Ditch Cars for Cargo Bikes. Is this it? That's it. That's what you got? That's exactly what I have. Wow. (laughs) It's cute, man. It's cute. I can see your family on that. Yeah. It's fun. Is it cold? In the winter? Yeah. It doesn't get that cold, which is why it doesn't snow. It's very dark. It's like Seattle. Oh, If you've been to Seattle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, What's what's that movie? It's never sunny in Seattle or whatever. Um, It's very dark in the winter and gray. Yeah. So in Denmark, though, there's ways of coping with this. There's this thing called hygge, which I guarantee 50% of the women at your church know what that means. If I know Frontier's profile pretty well, which I think I do. <laughs> because um, because um, this is really popular in like design magazines and home design magazines around the world right now. Because people are like, love it. It's called hygge and basically means like being inside, mm-hmm. having like a fireplace and candles lit, having coffee, a book. Um, and just chatting for long hours with close friends. That's hygge, and that's very hmm. Danish. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's a very Danish concept, especially yeah. in the winter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, yeah. man. <laughs> All right, so you you get up, get the kids okay, yeah, the, yeah. in the cargo bike. Yeah. Get your cargo bike. I have a hard time on. answering that question, partially because... You get some sweet corn? Sweet corn? <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I'm, kidding. I'm talking to Iowa here. Yeah, exactly. I have a hard time answering that question, partially because I'm not nearly... like. It seems like you're good at this, Cole the whole like controlling your time and the 80, 20 principle you talk about. Um, Damn, I'm not very I'm good now. I've read some books, but yeah, I have too. And I always feel like, Oh, I'm so bad at this. Every time, <laughs> every time I read those books. Um, but also I think it's been a unique time with Corona. And then like when you're planting a church, you just, you're just trying everything, you know? Yeah, so there's not, yeah, yeah. but I do like have office meeting hours with a couple other pastors on Fridays. Um, and I think there is a certain rhythm to my life. Like I'm in seminary right now. So there's like one or two days a week that I'm at the seminary 
in okay. Copenhagen. Um, and then I have an office at home, like everybody invented during Corona. Yeah. Um, which that was fun. I had I had a baby who destroyed two of my laptops during Corona because yeah, I was yeah. trying to do home office. Yeah. One time it was my fault. I left a cup of coffee by by the and then I like turned my back for five minutes and the next thing I know. The, oh yeah, dude. Kids are designed to do that. <laughs> That's so funny. Wreak havoc. What's been What's been like the not the hardest thing to adjust, but just like the thing that you've been like, yeah, this has been difficult to adjust to. That's a great question, and I think I think I have a good answer for that because I've been thinking about it being here in the states for a while. The main thing is the relational dynamic. Mm. Danes, many people consider Danes rude and unfriendly, but they're not. They're actually very loyal people to their friends. Okay, from childhood. Yeah. So they have three or four friends, and they consider it their friendship relational duty. To keep up with those friends for the rest of their lives. Right. Wow. Which means they don't have a lot of relational space or energy for new people. Right. So that's just generally. Mm-hmm. But then very I think interesting, dude. the Christian culture is also very. And this is, again, this seems negative, but I think many b- solid Bible believing, even, even Lutherans in Denmark would agree with me. It's just very, it stays on the super, superficial. Okay. And so honestly, this is what I miss most, what we're doing right here in this garage, like just going deep with brothers that I know have a theological like acuity that I can just like go hard. Like you and I, Cole, like we've done that before. Like I remember one of the first times we met just like go hard on Bonhoeffer and like these ins and outs of his thoughts and like, you know, like ecclesiology and, you know, missiology and like. I have no one to oh, do that. that. No stuff. one to do that yeah, with, man. let wild. alone in my in my third language. Yeah. So. Yeah. Like hanging out with John Allen this last week. Yeah. Living with him, like oh, it was so refreshing. And then living with Garrett Hufford from 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 another church in Cedar Rapids. Um, these are like lifelong friends of mine, mm-hmm. or at least like Garrett has been since high school. Mm-hmm. Um. It was just, there's just, it's just so life giving to me. And I realize it's because I've been missing that big wow. time. Yeah. And it's like easy to explain those things away. But like in those long winter days, I know like, man, if I had a brother to just like go and go deep with right now, that mm-hmm. would, that would really be an encouragement. So, wow. yeah. So thanks for having me on guys. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for going it. deep with us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, man. What else do you want to tell us about just the culture and, like maybe things that you often get that we didn't ask you. Yeah, I mean, I would I would plead with your church to pray for us specifically, yeah. but also consider maybe not you, but someone you know who might be thinking about doing missions. I would plead with you to consider coming to Europe. And the reason for that is I think yeah. Europe is often seen as like an easy out for a global church planting call. Because it's like, oh, it's easy over there. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it's not. Yeah. And we see people leaving all the time. Yeah. Especially in Copenhagen. Just in the last six months, I've had two close brothers I work with. One colleague with the IMB yeah. who are not coming back because they're just discouraged. They're not having the impact they want. Is that the way they phrased it? I'm not having the impact I want? One of them, that's verbatim. Verbatim. The yeah. other one, I would say, is a guy, a YWAM guy, who was a little young and overwhelmed by the amount of responsibility he had. So that would probably be part of it, too. Um, but yeah, there's just... 
tons of people who don't pastors that don't last in the Nordics, um, especially the ones that are trying to preach the word because you're just so upstream. Yeah. There's a law on the books, right? That I just had an article this morning. I saw, I think they're thinking about making it illegal not to hire women as pastors in Denmark. Mm-hmm. There's also um, religious freedom issues going on in Sweden. It's illegal to homeschool in Sweden, partially because of the, Oh wow. they don't, they don't want you indoctrinating your kids. Like yeah. that's, that's our job. We'll be the ones indoctrinating your kids. Not you, yeah. you know? Wow. Wow. <laughs> they don't quite come out and say it like that, but yeah. Um, so it is a very hard place, not because you're going to have your throat cut necessarily, but because you'll have to endure shame. Yes. And, and we need more laborers in our church and the other churches. Like we need, we need more laborers. So, mm. whew, okay. This is an important conversation. Yeah, it is. we've got two minutes left. Um, Christian, you, you get bit by the church planning bug. You move to Denmark with a vision. You're optimistic. You pitch that vision to somebody about what you want New Song to accomplish in the world. He looks you in the face and says, that will never happen here. Yeah. Carlos, what do you do when you're face-to-face with difficulty in church planting and you're not having the impact that you want to have in Frontier Church? How do you minister to your spirit than you? You start. You start. You should ask that question. You planned it. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how we both feel. Really, Cole's the the one that has, and he's wanting us to be the experts. It's um, like, <laughs> um, if I'm being real, I allow I allow myself to feel everything. I okay, allow myself yeah. to to feel it, and then I take all that I'm feeling to the scriptures, to the Psalms, probably. And I just like live in the Psalms and um, I remind myself of the gospel mm-hmm. and I remind myself as Hebrew says, therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses, let us run therefore the race that lies before with endurance, right? Like mm. remind myself of my witnesses and be like, no, like this is, this is the path that faithful men and women have taken. And by some miracle, the Holy Spirit gives me strength to keep moving forward. So um, that's sort of like my pattern. Um, hmm. Not particularly, I mean, I haven't planned a church, so, um, but just in yeah, ministry in general. Yeah. <laughs> <Plants of> frontier. <laughs> oh. In general. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I tell my kids this stuff because I, I know the world that they're going to grow up in. And so I, one of the bedtime stories I tell them is the, the, the coffee bean story. It, I think I told you that one, right? Yeah. Uh, there's this um, there's this boiling pot of hot water, and um, there's there's three different objects that you've got. You've got a coffee bean, you've got an egg, and you've got a noodle. And uh, you take the noodle, you throw it in the hot water, and what happens to it? Well, it immediately gets you know soft. Yeah. You pick it up, and it loses its backbone. And I always say, you know, Russell, I don't want you to be the noodle when when times get hard and when things get hot, I don't want you to lose your backbone. Okay. But then there's also the egg. You throw the egg in to the boiling pot of water. And what happens is that the ooey gooey center turns hard right away. And I said, Russell, I don't want you to be like the egg either. I don't, when things get hard, I don't want you to harden your heart mm. and not feel anything and it's to become a like word. a robot. 
Instead, what you do is you take your coffee bean. And I know you don't criticize this. I know yeah, this isn't exactly the way it works. But <laughs> take your coffee bean and you, you throw it into the boiling pot of water and something magical happens. It doesn't soften beyond recognition. It doesn't harden beyond recognition. It ends up releasing its best flavor so that the boiling hot water becomes something that's delicious for everybody to enjoy. And I'm like, buddy, I want you to be the coffee bean. When life gets hard, I want that to release the best flavor in you so that you turn that boiling water into something that everybody enjoys. And so like when things get hard, I just remind myself that this is God's, that God wants me to be the coffee bean. You know, this is God's tool to fill me with um, the best flavor, to smash the patty, to make me into a smash <laughs> burger. Because you know, you need to, let, you need to, to let people know that's from the last podcast because they're not going to know what that means. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, no, you the last <laughs> podcast on that one. Because <laughs> when people experience resistance, they quit. They're fragile, they're quitters, and they run away. And um, I think God wants us to stay, to stay put. So how do you minister to yourself when you've got bros leaving? First of all, I just want to praise you, brother. You have a way with words. You are a gifted... <laughs> communicator i've always every like time talking. every like time talking. i've heard you preach i'm like that man is an illustration machine <laughs> where do these things come from i'm always like i just i'll just no. quote i'll just quote some historical no. theology i can't think of a good illustration cole's just like smash patties coffee beans it's like the only thing i do well though so like i don't have like mm. i'm not like oh Mm-mm. man i Mm-mm. could go nope, roast nope. coffee no nope. you know? you're dismissing you're dismissing my encouragement <laughs> thank you no you're right you say you're thank right. you Thanks, brother. I receive it. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel seen by you. So thank you for that. <laughs> Even in this garage. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll give two Ps. Uh, people. When you feel discouraged like that, that's something for me yes. it, that it's so important not to get isolated. Um. And I think that's where I go sometimes is I'm like, when I feel that discouragement, I'm like, I just got to like knuckle my way out of this Mm. in isolation. But I find that I need mentors in my life. I need other pastors that I can reach out to and say like, I'm super discouraged by this. Just this week, I sent an email. That's good. I got an email that was really hard this week and I just forwarded it to some brothers and I said, I need your counsel and I need your prayer. Um, I said two P's didn't know what was the second P. Dude, that's good, man. That even that little, that little illustration is that's important. Do you when when you get a tough email, do you forward it to some to brothers people? you trust? Yeah, exactly. Or do you eat and ask for prayer? That's good. Um, I had another P. I forgot it. I got caught up in your illustration. Perseverance. So. No, because it place. was so- people in place. <laughs> um, potlucks. You guys have potlucks. <laughs> Not really a thing in Denmark. Um, what was it? Maybe it was prayer. I don't know. But prayer is good too. Yeah. Yeah. I, for, I forgot it. It went away. Huh. Cool. It wasn't. It wasn't for such a time as this. Mm, such heights of knowledge are not for us to attain. <laughs> that people thing is huge, though, man. Like it's huge. I think as pastors, like we want to be strong. We want to be the people who people come to when they're struggling. And I think that like. <clears throat> what I've noticed, especially over just, you know, my own church planning endeavors and, you know, God saying either no or not now, like, it's been in my weakness as I've gone to people and they've ministered to me that I've found the strength to endure as well. So, mm. Mm. um, 
Yeah, man. I just, I just want to amen that. And um, so, Gosh, Pers- perspective, so man. Perspective. perspective. And yeah. I feel like we've gotten that being back here because it's really easy when you're in the trenches over, especially in a really lost place to feel like everything's going so slowly. And it is actually, because it's very secular and hard. Um, but then we get back here and I'm talking to other like church planters in Europe who have been at it, you know, in a similar amount of time. And they're like, oh, you guys planted a house church and saw like five people baptized during Corona. Like that's huge. Most people just like went into like a hole during Corona. Wow. And then they're like, oh, yeah. and you've actually started a church cross-culturally in the first four years you were there. Yeah. That's way more than most people do. And then they're like, oh, and then you're doing this like coalition of churches. They're like, wow, God is doing some amazing things. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, just like you can just get stuck in your own head. Um, and just, just doing some actual research to know like what's happening in your part of the world. And, you know, they go back to that whole like, you don't like, a, a bigger church is not necessarily better. Like a yeah. church should be judged by its sending capacity, not its seating capacity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, maybe Frontier isn't 2,000 people yet, but that's not like, that's get the, get the right perspective that yeah. that's not the most important thing. Like you're multiplying, yeah. Yeah. you're making disciples. You're talking about being, we're talking about four and five generations of church plants. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to encourage you guys like missiologists literally talk about third generation church planting as like the goal and it happens very rarely yeah. and we're seeing yeah. that here in Iowa. Wow. Isn't that encouraging? Nick Powell, let's go for fifth generation, bro. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. so good. No, thanks for taking us there, man. I just think this is a really important conversation for us. Yeah. Because in you're a couple steps in front of us, man. In in America, the future for the kingdom of God is bright. It's bright. Jesus wins. He overthrows all of his enemies. He transforms the cosmos into a new creation. The future for the kingdom is bright, but the future for the world is, is dark. And we're, we're going to go there, man. And our, our people need to know that even when the mission of God gets met with resistance and people yawn in the face of the gospel— and people roll their eyes at the preaching of God's word. And we bring our optimism for our church plants and people look at it and they literally say that will never happen here. We need to know that when the mission of God gets met by resistance, we, we don't have to quit. We don't have to be quitters. When it gets met by resistance, we can remember, you know what? Joy is possible in the yeah. face of all of this. Mm. And like the mission of God will move forward and like Jesus will win perspective people that's yeah that's good man that's good yep love you man thanks for love you guys church dude yeah and i'm looking forward to worshiping together on sunday and uh oh wait although although we'll release this after sunday no we'll probably we'll try and get it out before sunday can we do that yeah we'll get one out two podcasts in one week oh we do yeah (laughs) see both yeah so cool Hey, All love right. you, man. Church, yeah. thanks for uh, thanks for listening to our conversation. And we, my prayer is that as a result of this conversation, we can see more clearly why we're so committed to church planting. And we can see that in whatever the future of America holds, it's possible. Joy is possible in the face of all of that. So let's, let's stay mentally tough as Christians and let's keep making disciples and planting churches.
Love you guys. You.